It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of The Table. Uh, my name is Jason Squires. I'm the host of this podcast and excited about today. Uh, joined by John Jil- John Chilcoat. I knew I was going to screw that up. John Chilcoat from uh, Cedarville University. John, how's it going, man? Hey, it's it's going great. Ah, it's good to good to hang out. I almost said Jillcoat, and I knew that wasn't... I don't know yeah, where that, that even happens, came from. That happens sometimes. Chill. Chillcoat. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Hey, tell us about you. Tell us about you and where you're coming from and your work at Cedarville and all those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for having me. Really excited to just have this conversation with yeah. you and um, love the table. And um, my journey, I'm a worship professor. This is my 10th year in the academic world. I teach undergrad worship majors. So this is my third year at Cedarville. For seven years before that, I was at a little Bible college uh, called Nebraska Christian College in Omaha that does not exist anymore. But uh, God but launched a lot of people into ministry over 75 years from that school. And um, for a decade before that, I was a full-time worship pastor at a church in Columbus, Ohio, suburb of Columbus. Um, So yeah, measuring my life in decades now, which makes me feel older than I should be maybe. But um, yeah, my, my music degree was in uh, music education, vocal performance. And I knew I felt called into ministry right away. Um, so I went right to the church. I didn't go into the classroom. And God has a way of just sort of setting things up. So I had that sort of educational background, um, but I felt called to the church. And then 10 years later, God sort of flipped it. And he gave me a passion for teaching what I did not get, you know, from learning it in the um, in the trenches, which I still am. I still am a worship leader, but learning the days in and days out, staffing, all of the dynamics of being on staff at a church and then how to best prepare um, worship leaders and worship students to, to enter into vocational ministry. So that's, that's what amazing. I do. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah, no, I, I, I myself have a, a degree in worship and um, I, it's funny getting into ministry. You realize what's missing in, in the teaching of the teaching of worship leaders. And so I just, I love that you jumped in to do that. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. The, um, there's usually, you know, the worship degree is not that old in general in the history of all of the college degrees and stuff. And for the most part, it grew out of the music world and there is heavy on music, heavy on like conducting and handbells and whatever you do. Um, and not as much on maybe practical ministry stuff or theology. And now there's been a shift and there's been a swing and there's a whole sort of spectrum depending on what you really think you should get prepared to do and um, what schools are able to offer. Um, so yeah, it's growing quite a bit. And I think we're, we're doing for the most part, a pretty good job setting up students to go into churches. I love it. I love it. And now this month we're talking about identifying and training future leaders, which is what you do. You, I mean, working with college students and getting them launched, launching them into their, either their career or their vocation or whatever is coming after the academic side and 
as a as a worship leader, it's really hard. To, it's really easy, I should say, to fall into a rhythm of just kind of getting Sundays done, and uh, you know, each week you, you kind of get just kind of accomplishing tasks, and we never really. It's hard to stop and think about the future. Um, why is it important to identify and train future leaders? Let's just start with that. Yeah. Um, well, somebody has to call the next generation to lead the church. I mean, the local church is the hope of the world. That's that's who um, you know Jesus's bride is the church, and so we need leaders, um, especially in this post-Christian age where um, you know churches are just continuing to sort of adapt and adjust, whether it's multi-campus, multi-site, online, you know, small churches, large churches, we just need leaders. And um, I think in general for, for ministry to be um, sort of encouraged and called on those, those students that show a spark, that show an interest, that show ability to lead, ability to shepherd, ability to inspire, um, whether it's youth ministry, missions, pastoral preaching or, or, uh, worship ministry. Um, I think there's this, this chance and it to do it sort of early, you know, middle school start to, to plant those seeds. Like you could do this. The, the church needs you to do this for the rest of your life, or at least for a season. Um, because other things are telling them they need to focus on this. They need to focus on academics or sports or find the, something that's financially stable, which ministry is, a lot more financially stable than people think that is. Um, I talk to parents about that all the time as a vocation, like investing it as a, as a degree. But um, back to the point, like we need to give these students a vision of like, yeah, this is something maybe God has called you to and you would be great at it. And it just may not be on your radar because um, it's it's a small percentage of, of students that are going to feel that desire, even though a lot of them stand up at retreats and conferences and say, I feel called into ministry, like to follow up and to say, yeah, you do. And let's, let's make that happen. Let's get you on the path to where um, you can be well-prepared and be excited about, about serving the local church. Oh, that's that's so good. I, I I mean, a lot of, a lot of worship leaders have that story. I myself have that story from like somebody investing in me in high school getting me excited about ministry, excited about leading worship and moving on into, into future. And so uh, it's just important, like you said, to see that. And I love how you said uh, it's somebody has to, it has to train the, the, the next generation and it doesn't just happen. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, I mean, and if you don't, we're going to be missing and, and, you know, lacking in leadership when we need to have leaders coming, coming and, uh, and coming into ministry. So, yeah. And we see it in scripture. I mean, we see it with, you know, the New Testament, obviously with, with Paul and um, Titus, we see it in the Old Testament um, with Eli. We see it, First um, Chronicles 25 is where David um, calls the men that were going to be the, the musicians for the temple. Yeah. And it says, and they were trained by their fathers in the, for the music of the Lord. So there's just this um, model and sort of a, a template to continue to look at the next generation and say, it's time. Um, it's time for you to join me on the platform where it's time for you to join me. I remember as a little kid, my dad was a pastor. I remember going to hospital visits and just sitting in the car or in the lobby as he did this thing. But, you know, just sort of going along with, with that person that is doing the ministry and seeing that it's relational, that it's hands-on, that it's um, sometimes a challenge, but ultimately it's a call that um, you learn and you grow into. 
Now, as I'm I'm looking for leaders, what are things to look for to identify future leaders, and how would I know they're ready to to launch into wherever the next step is for them? Can help us help us kind of identify that? Yeah. Um, well, lean for specifically for worship ministry, because that's sort of my world. Yeah. Um, what's interesting, especially in my seat as a as a undergrad professor, um, we get students coming in as worship majors that have like three or four years experience in the field that they want to study. And most other ministries, but a lot of other just fields in general, they don't have a lot of real hands-on experience. So um, I think you're looking for someone that's sort of doing it a little bit already, or that's showing some skill, showing some excitement, um, showing some capacity to grow. Um, I think um, beyond the skill though, because I think that's always sort of that front door, um, you know, they can, they can sing the songs, they can play the licks, they can, um, they can be a part of your team and they understand in ears and and all that type of stuff on stage, but besides the platform stuff, there's a, there's for leaders. I think you're really looking for someone that can be taught. You're looking for someone that's humble, that knows that um, that they are probably not the best person on the platform in the band, and they want to grow and learn from the people around them. Um, they also are the ones that are staying after and picking up the charts or putting the chairs away. Or they're the ones in between that are meeting the new kids and, you know, getting them excited about stuff. Um, in some ways, I think the ones that are hesitant to be on the platform, but you keep putting them up there because they have the skill and they have the heart, the, but they just want to serve. They, they sort of have a, a humble heart, humility. Those are the ones that are going to, I think, take longer steps. Um, we say this all the time. Um, talent, you know, talent will get you hired. And character is what's going to keep your job or, or get you fired, you know, lack of integrity. So um, the stuff that you see and on the platform during worship when you're leading those 20 minutes of songs is one component of a leader. But there's a lot more about that person than than just that that performance, um, that performance part. Yeah, no, that's that's good, man. It's uh the I love how I just love the the picture of find the person picking up the charts and putting away the chairs, because I think in in leadership we think we 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 think like it's you know it's all about the the front end of it, and there's so much in the backside of of leadership where it's like the things that people don't see and the things that people don't you know aren't involved in that that speaks a lot to their heart. And kind of their place as they as they take a step forward, take a take a step forward in leadership, and kind of get themselves ready for whatever that next step is. That's something something you really can't teach. Is yeah. is that is that part of that part of leadership? You'll you'll see some for sure that have that sort of drive, and they have that upfront personality, and they know that that's their spot, and yeah. um, so they're going to run ahead, and they're going to be eager to serve. Um, and it's probably from a genuine place, but you have to balance that and temper that, you know, so the ego doesn't run ahead of, of their heart. But then there's some others that um, you see more potential in them than they do, or maybe the opportunity for them to grow into something beyond, um, you know, just sort of being in the shadows. And sometimes those may not even be the strongest musicians or strongest performers, 
but they're going to have a pastoral heart. They're going to grow into a leadership capacity beyond running rehearsals. And that's really what you need when you're looking at vocational ministry or, you know, week in and week out worship leader ministry. It's always amazing to me the the things that a worship leader needs, the skill set that a worship leader needs. You got to have not not to mention the musical skill. Then you got to have, you know, the, the they're usually a creative of some kind. And then you have the administration, the administrative skills, which don't ever go hand in hand together. You know, admin skills with the worship leader. And then they have to have leadership skills. And then they have to have the calling to be a worship leader. All of these things come to like to wrap the full package. And then it's like that person is ready to go. And um, man, it's, that's so much. Yeah. It's so not really fair. It's not really fair that the Venn diagram that we have to land in the center of to get all those parts right, you know, and it's a, and it's a spectrum. And sometimes um, I have a friend that does this great, he he works with um, hiring folks and he, he made this sort of matrix and like, here's, you have 39 points. I forget what they were, but it's like 39 points. And here's all the qualities that you want in a worship leader. <laughs> Spend the points and the points don't add up to 10 on every level. Like you just can't get there. Like if you want 10 in creativity, you're going to get five in administration. Or if you want 10 in relational, you're going to get three, you know, like, and sometimes that shifts along the seasons too. Like I know I had to grow a lot more in, in empathy and um, a lot more in sort of management stuff, personal, you know, soft skills um, and let the creative take a break for a while. You know, and you, you're sort of shepherding people along the way. And there are different times that you use, you put those different hats on or you lean into one side or another. But yeah, if you're not aware that those all exist, you're going to have a rude awakening when you get to, <laughs> when you get into that staff meeting and, and, or you're looking at your volunteers and you're just trying to hit this moment and, you know, someone is having just a rough day or they're just not making it work. And um, you have to put that goal down and, and, lift up that person and the relationship goal and uh yeah there's a lot to there's a lot to balance yes oh man that's not the truth now as i'm as i'm like identifying leaders and future leaders would you say that there's too young of an age to be putting into ministry or putting into any kind of like service role or um like as i'm seeing things in other people and it's like ah you're too young to be doing that or is how do you, what's your kind of take or stance on that? Um, you know, I don't think so. I mean, within reason, I mean, of course, you know, there's like, you can have four year old handing out bulletins or whatever you can have, you know, kids stacking chairs or, yeah, you know, stuff like that. Um, I know we talk about this in one of my classes. I have a question as we're talking about, um, onboarding volunteers and I bring up a question as I, is there, you know, too young of a volunteer for your team? Or is there too old of a volunteer for your team? Right. And they're like, uh, they, and they say <laughs> nothing about the young or they, they, they like, they have these preconceived notions and then we sort of expand it, you know, and it, it depends on sort of what the goal is, you know? Yeah. Um, I think in general, the age is going to be a factor with a lot of things, whether it's skill and competency, whether it's just time commitment and responsibility, you yep. know, like, yeah, if you've got a seven-year-old prodigy and their parents are like willing to take them and they're like fit in your team, go for it, you know. But yeah. a lot of times that's not always going to be the case. But also if you've got a 
you know, a mom who's got a 11 year old drummer that wants to come every time to rehearsal and he's been playing for four years, he might be great. He might fit right in. Yeah, um, and in all reality, some... you're going to have him for a long time. Exactly. You're... Yeah. You're investing yeah. early. And, um, you know, I've seen some that are that way that grow up and then they can, you know, take on more leadership roles, even as a middle school and high school student. Um, I think some of it is like, are you looking at the product? And this is not a bad thing. I mean, if you have a level of excellence that you need to reach musicianship, you know, production value, not that that's the goal, but if that is a value, then there may be people that stylistically or skill-wise aren't there yet. And whether it's the age or the skill um, or the style of music that they yeah. can play or sing, you're going to have to have conversations like, yeah, this isn't really our fit right now. Like we're not a barbershop quartet church. You know, we don't have harmonica choirs. you know, <laughs> so like, we're, we're in this little spot and the sound and that's, you just have to sort of be honest with that. But then on the other side, if they're, if your goal is really to be like multi-generational on the stage to represent a lot of people um, and you realize that that's a bigger goal than, you know, having this vocal blend that is so tight, yep. um, then yeah, maybe you're going to expand it. I remember one time having like a 19 year old and a 75 year old on stage singing at the same time. And I wouldn't have thought of that until I don't remember when it was, if I read it or if it was in a, a video or something, but I remember Brian Dirksen, I think it was a recording. He was talking about like, he had his dad, I think singing this like, and he's like, and you hear this old tenor baritone voice singing on his own. And it like, wasn't the right blend for this, you know, but he had it in his recording. And I'm like, there's something about that. That's like to have those voices Yep. to have those that are, um, you know, still want to serve, still are capable of serving, you know, like now that guy, eventually he's like, John, I got to step down. I, I just can't hear anymore. I can't hear enough to stay in time, to stay on in tune. And so he knew his limitations, which is great because to have those conversations is tough, Yeah. but you know, on both sides of the spectrum, I think you're evaluating people and you're evaluating what the, what the real win is. Mm. Um, and if you need to narrow down your age or your experience level expectations, because you're trying to reach a certain, um, you know, a certain goal, then I don't think there's anything wrong with that. As long as you can really communicate that well with, with heart and compassion. Um, I'll say this too, for, for student worship bands, th it was sort of a funny thing. Um, you know, student worship bands, I joked, like, if you open that up to everybody, you'll have like 14 seventh grade girls that want to sing. Um, cause it, that's what they do. I yep. have an eighth grade girl loves to sing. Um, so I know a lot of like youth group bands will say, Hey, if they're large enough, you know, they say, Hey, this is for high school. Like you can work in. And then once you get to high school, you can try out and be in the youth group band. And so they had that, the church I was at had that, had that guideline, which was fine. Um, but I had a girl who had been taking guitar lessons for me since she was in fifth grade. And by the time she got in eighth grade, she was solid. She was really good. Yeah. And so I had her playing for me on the main stage, but she wasn't uh, qualified to play in the youth group band because they had some just, you know, sort of 
it was part of their process and part of uh, okay. maintaining their culture to keep it as a high school band. And, you know, there's a tension there. Um, and she understood. She's like, I'll earn my right to be on that stage, but I've already earned my right to be on the main stage. So he's, he's got to have some grace and walk through the gray areas together. That's amazing. As a kid, I got, uh, the, I was always grew up wanting to serve in church. And there was, I remember a time that uh, I was jumping in to do offering, like how to take the offering. And there was this little old man in the back row that got mad at the guy who was in charge of ushering because it was inappropriate for a kid to be taking the offering. And I was like, this is, I remember as a kid going, how am I getting, how I'm in the middle of this conversation. Why am I in trouble for help? You know, (laughs) I just want to help a church, you know? And so, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's good to, I love, I love the idea of just, you know, seeing, seeing the generations kind of serving together. Um, This past Easter, I was serving at a church that had a, had a multi-generation choir um on stage during 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 worship and i mean i mean people in their 70s and 80s and down to there was like a five-year-old in the front row and it was just awesome like as you (laughs) as you see you know she handled herself and she wasn't distractions or anything mom was right behind her and um but just the smile on her face singing songs on easter morning and um gosh it's good to see i loved i mean as you said, I mentioned then having to having an eighth grader, like I seeing seeing my girls, you know, just desire to be involved. It's like, oh, there's nothing, there's nothing greater. There's nothing greater. So yeah. And I think if you see those younger folks, um, or even on the other spectrum, you know, the senior saints that want to serve and there's not a place for them, I think that's an issue. I think you as a church staff and as a leader, you need to create those moments like, hey, there's yeah. this handful of people that are willing to do something like, and here they, they're part of the church. They're part of the body, yep. you know, so let them, let them play their role. And um, yeah, I think it just, again, it, it allows them to grow, especially the younger generation allows them to grow an experience with some people that are um, further down the road and maybe speak into their life. You're like, Hey, you, this is actually the perfect fit for you. Why don't you just keep thinking about what this would look like if it, keeps going on instead of just being a side hobby you know what happens if this is what god actually has created you to do i uh was singing i was at a church recently and um leading worship in the there was a high school girl that was leading with me and she was getting ready to she's, she's getting ready to graduate and go off to grand canyon university uh to into their worship program and, and get her and get a degree there and she was she got on stage and was and she was a little nervous and after the service I, I, I pulled her aside and I was just like, this is totally your thing. Like, this is 100%. I, I can just like watching you lead this morning and watching you sing and the, the smile on her face, you could just see the glow in her eyes where it was like, she kind of was like resting in the fact that somebody, somebody saw her and acknowledged it. And, um, and just knowing that there was affirmation in that, in that process. Um, so yeah, yeah totally. Now let, let let's talk about mentoring leaders. As you know, you're sitting down with leaders and actually doing doing mentorship and kind of helping them kind of walk through some of those things. Do you have any advice for us as to help to help kind of pour into them and you know um, like what what that process could look like or um, how like you know what is what is our what is our role as people who are leading like how do, how do we do that with um, with uh, future leaders? How do we Kind of help us 
give us some advice there. Yeah. Mentoring is, you know, I think that is a calling too. Um, you know, not everyone is sort of called to say, fall, you know, come and do what I'm doing and yeah. learn from me, you know, and it takes a lot more effort. Um, once I started teaching, I was really evaluating a lot more of myself on at like in real time. I'm like, mm. how do I run rehearsals? How do I have conversations? How do I prepare for a meeting? Or um, what are what are these processes that maybe I've internalized or maybe I've neglected? True. <laughs> um, so, you know, so that was part of it. And um, so I think there's a part of mentoring that is evaluating yourself first. Um, and if you can, and I'm, I'm a weird creative because I'm analytical and I sort of think in, in processes and steps um, sort of helps me fit into where I'm at in this seat. But um, if you can sort of analyze some, some tendencies or analyze some generalities in ministry, um, you can communicate those better. So yeah. if you're just reacting in the moment and saying, I'll do this or no, do that. And you're just sort of, you know, putting someone in a position to create a, to complete a task, but they don't really understand foundationally what it is in the first place. It's going to be, you're not mentoring them as much as you're just staging them. And then, you know, they're only going to be able to do one task at a time. It's like a joke with, you know, we've got folks that run the soundboard and you show them how to turn it on and how to turn it up. So everything works great as long as nothing goes wrong. And as soon as one thing goes wrong, they have no idea how to troubleshoot and yep. they have no idea how to mute this or how to fix an EQ here or how to, you know, reroute something. Um, and I think that's the same way with mentoring. Like you don't just want to show them how to do the one task, but you want to back up and really build some foundation. And so they can process and make some decisions and problem solving on their own. So I think that's a big part of it. I think another thing about mentoring is um, you giving them the opportunity to build something, uh, to succeed in something, to fail in something in a safe way. Um, I know a lot of churches have interns and um, re residencies and mentorships. Um, if you are bringing folks on and you don't have any margin or bandwidth for them to maybe like stumble through something so they can learn about it, then that probably is a staff position instead of an internship position because an intern, they're still learning the, you know, like I think of, you know, like um, I'm assuming, a, I don't know this, but I'm assuming a blacksmith, if you apprenticed with a blacksmith and you're making horseshoes, you're allowed to make some bad horseshoes. Yeah. Right. Right. And then you're allowed to sort of refire them and recast them and ha hammer them out again to make them better. Um, you didn't have to just nail it every time, you know, um, so mentoring is a lot like that, where you're giving them opportunities yeah, yeah. to grow, to succeed. And then you can like talk to them about those successes and how that all worked. And then you can also give them opportunities to, to, you know, maybe stumble along the way in honest progression. You know, you're not going to set them up to fail, but you're going to say, Hey, here was, this was not a win today, but that's okay. It's a bigger win, right? It's one strikeout in a whole season of at bats. And yep. you can talk about, how we can get better and how we can grow. Um, and that happens across all of those skills that we talked about, whether it's how to count a band in, if you don't have a click track and you're saying, all right, let's start with this song. And you actually have to say drummer count 
count us in on four clicks or you have to say four clicks. I've seen plenty of people start, just start rehearsals and start a band and, and people jump in like the third beat because no one knew how to start it. You yep. know, so it's something as simple yep. as that to how do you do like a receipt reimbursement? You know, here, why don't you do the, the credit card thing for this month? You know, there's a lot of stuff, especially in vocational ministry where you're, you're not going to get it right the first time. I mean, that's in life. You're not going to get it right the first time. You may get lucky, um, but as you do it, you know, those 10,000 hours. So a mentor is giving you a head start. You know, it's, you get a couple laps at full speed without anybody in front of you on the track with a mentor. Yep. And you get launched into the race. That's a great picture. Yeah. That's a great picture. Um, yeah. And that, that's the, th- um, I'm just sitting back and thinking about this. Cause the, it's funny as a, as somebody who does mentor and does coaching and stuff, there have been many moments for me where I sit back and your, your like human brain will go, gosh, I wish you would just get this the first time. And then we, we, you know, we could move on and then yeah. you stop and go, wait a minute. No, I, I was, I was you once. I didn't get it I, the first time either. Yeah. I didn't get it the first time. <laughs> Absolutely didn't get it the first time. You know, you're like, you, you know, years of training and get you to where you are now. And as, you know, as a leader, sometimes it's easy to go, if you just, if you just get it right the first time, then we could, then we could do something, you know? And it's like, no, you got to stop and stop and slow it down and be okay with, I love the, the picture of the band of the bandwidth just to go. If you don't have the bandwidth, that might be a staff position and not an intern position. Um, because you know, those are two different, two different spaces and knowing yourself and your capacity. Um, it's always daunting to me to think like what I'm investing in somebody is what's going to help them in their future. And you just go, I hope what I'm saying is correct. And hope that I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. as you kind of identifying your own self and, you know, you, you hope that you don't take them off onto the wrong, onto the wrong path or the wrong, the wrong space. Yeah, I think a challenge for mentors, especially as I'm thinking of like church ministry, when you're bringing on interns, is to say, um, we're going to invest more in you and you're going to change more as the intern than you, we are going to ask of you. And the needle for the church is maybe going to move a little bit, but the needle for you as the intern is going to move a lot. And that's the goal. Mm. You know, the goal is whether the intern was there or not, the church is going to continue and and sort of grow and thrive and do its thing. Um but if you, I'm always of the opinion, especially when I'm sending students out to do ministries, I'm like, I hope you find a place that is a training place for you and not like you're not filling a gap that needs to be filled or there's like dysfunction. Um, so you're going to a place where they're going to have, you know, some challenging things for you to do. You're going to work. You're not going to be bored, but it's also intentional for you to grow and not just for the ministry to succeed. So that's a tension that that's tough to balance sometimes. Truth. Truth. Hey, so we call, we call our podcast the table and um, I believe good conversation happens around good food. So if I'm coming over to the chill coat house for dinner, I said chill coat right that time. Yeah. Chill coat house for dinner. What would be on the table? What is your kind of family? What does a family meal look like? Or if someone's coming over or kind of give walk us through that, man. Um, we, we, well, um, and th- uh, well, I was thinking about this, this has nothing to do with my last name, but, um, I would, you'd probably have chili. Oh, you'd, okay. You would probably have, we have sort of hodgepodge our own recipe and it's Midwest chili. 
I'm in Ohio. I've lived in Nebraska. Um, it's not skyline chili and it's not chili with cinnamon rolls that they do in Nebraska, but, um, it's a three bean chili with, um, fresh onions and green peppers. And, mm. um, it has beef, a uh, pound of ground beef and a pound of Italian sausage in it. Oh, and yes. it has just flavor and it just, um, and this and is it's, like a slow then, cook. Then, yeah. It's a slow this cook. The day the house smells great. Tomatoes and um, and some diced tomatoes in it, and um, I just season it to taste. I like mine a little hotter, so we've got some stuff on the table. Yeah. Um, but it's it's got a good chili flavor just right out of the bowl, and then if you want Fritos, jalapenos, sour cream, cheddar cheese. Glorious, nachos whatever glorious. you're gonna put even the these old or, oyster crackers but yeah we'll, you, we do a bowl you of said chili. in nebraska they do cinnamon rolls with yeah i did not chili. know that, that doesn't, was, doesn't make sense yeah so nebraska um so i lived in omaha for seven years it's a great town go yeah there. that they do when they do um chili they serve it with a side of cinnamon rolls and it's it's uh like yeah yeasty nice warm cinnamon rolls and it's sort of like salty and spicy and sweet um and i'll dip it in like i grew up with cornbread cornbread yeah, in my, that's in my chili. That's, that's, here. that's what we do but um yeah so it's not bad it's just it's just a different take um so i mean yeah, i'm intrigued I, my brain's going in the salty i'm a salt and sweet guy so i'm like i'm kind of intrigued my brain's kind of trying to figure that one out that, that yeah yeah, I mean, and I know our chili, like some people like no beans in chili or no meat in chili, you know, and ours is thick. It's not like a soup. It's not like a stew, but it's 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 got a full colorful spoonful of of all the goodness. So I, I, I believe it's Texas that doesn't do beans in chili. If, that, yes. if I remember this, Texas. Yeah. Yep. So awesome. Hey, John, how do we connect with you? How do we connect with John? This the university. Yeah. Right? If, if I'm thinking I want to go to school, like talk to me about how we connect with John and maybe even Cedarville. Yeah. Um, love it. So I'm on all the socials. It's either it's John Chilcote all together or JP Chilcote. Um, I think on Instagram, um, I, I think I was early enough on Facebook to actually just get Chilcote as my, like I grabbed the whole last name. So there you go. Facebook slash Chilcote, um, Cedarville love to have you connect there. If you're interested in the school or what we have going on, um, cedarville.edu slash worship gets you to all things worship whether it's the degree or we've got a worship conference that we do in January um, called Worship 424. We've got a summer youth worship camp. Uh, it's a week long and we do it twice in the summer. So if you look up worship.camp, um, you can look at, check that out. It's for high school kids, um, the two weeks in June, two separate weeks in June. Um, but yeah, um, cedarville.edu. Um, God is doing some awesome stuff here and I just love seeing these next generation of students heading out the door, going to uh, serve ministries all across the country. So good. So good. John, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate what you're doing and uh, to just get the next generation excited about worship and excited about ministry. Jason, um, thanks so much for what you're doing. This is great. It's been great talking to you. Absolutely, man. Uh, hey, everybody, we will see you guys next week.